Welcome to Crime Culture. That is this. It is. And uh, after last week, I think we have a bunch of new listeners. We do. Hello, welcome. Hello and welcome. I'm Haley. I'm Caitlin. That is us. That is us. This we can't. (laughs) That's Elliot in the background. (laughs) He uh, he pops in occasionally. He's the reason you're hearing all of this. Yep. He'll edit himself out. It'll be fine. I I don't know that he should. Elliot, don't edit that out. (laughs) Okay. Um, So this week, we're going to be talking about Charles Starkweather and Carol Ann Fugate. Who are they? Uh, We're actually... I was actually going to do this couple for our killer couples episode that came out around yep. valentine's day but then as i was researching i was like there's way too much yep. information to kind of spark note it and put it in with a bunch of other stuff so yep. here it is we're doing it all together we're doing it all as one so the story of charles starkweather and caroline fugate starts with their childhood so charles starkweather was born in lincoln nebraska and he was the third of seven children to parent, yeah to parents His guy parents. and helen guy and helen starkweather i, I love I it when a guy's so name is respect. guy i love it when a guy's name is guy it's very on the nose i had a neighbor growing up whose name was guy and i even at like four years old was like that's very on the nose it's a great but name so much respect to anybody who has that many children like more if you than exceed, two it, like if you, I was gonna even give it three, like if you have more than three children, like all the power to you because I could never. If you have more, I don't children, know many who can. Or if you could. have more children than parents, that's a lot. You're outnumbered, and it's official. And it's somehow, in all these years of parenting, they haven't figured it out yet. But Lord I help us all. But yeah, that so- and the robot uprising are the two things that I'm most afraid of. <laughs> So he was three. Very similar. Uh, he was three of seven. And uh, the Starkweathers were from a working class background. And Guy was a mild mannered carpenter who was, he was often. a mild mannered guy. Yeah. He was often unemployed <laughs> due to rheumatoid arthritis in his hands. So. Aw, poor guy. Great, great uh, field to be in when you have to work with that your hands sucks, all the time. That sucks, man. Yeah, yeah that, really, that really sucks. Yeah, so during his periods of unemployment, Helen supplemented the family's income as a waitress. What year was this? Or what, uh, around what era? A, when I actually was, didn't get a uh When a was Charles born? Oh. So uh, I was going to say even that, that's pretty that's pretty boss. Uh well, all the crimes started in 1958 and I think that's he was That's super boss. I think he was like Maybe in his twenty. I'm sure I'll get to it. I think he was in yeah, his early twenties when this. Still, happened. like women didn't really work back then. Like it wasn't like it wasn't even a case of like being allowed or not being allowed. Like societal norms, like it wasn't normal for a woman to work. Especially when, when they you had have seven like, a children. Man. Well, and also they had like I hate to say this, like a man of the house. Like, I don't know. That's th- like that's like it was almost seen as like embarrassing, or at least that's what my grandma told me. Um, because mm-hmm. my grandma worked. Um. It was seen as like embarrassing, especially for like, like the whole family, but especially for the guy, guy, um, because it was like, oh, you can't take care of your family. Yeah, this was in like that's pretty Nebraska, dope, so I don't know if around Ooh. this area, like everybody was working no matter what. That's it. I don't really though. know about ne- <laughs> Nebraska <laughs> in the thirties, forties, thirties, thirties or forties, but still, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Like, good for her. Yeah. I'm with um, her. Well, Charles Starkweather, let's not get too far on his side. <laughs> I'm not on his side. I'm on his parents' side. Yeah. They had seven kids. One was bound to go wayward. So um, Starkweather attended Saratoga Elementary School, Irvine Junior High School, and Lincoln High School, all okay. in Nebraska. And okay. in contrast to his family life, uh, he remembered nothing positive from his time at school. Um Aww. He was born with a mild birth defect that caused his legs to be misshapen. Ooh. And uh, he also suffered from a speech impediment and that led to constant teasing by his classmates. Oh, also, easy target, yeah. Yeah. There's a picture of his, I guess, his mugshot. He had the squarest head. 
of anybody I had ever seen. And his haircut was absolutely no help. My dad had this like this haircut growing up that it, it was like flat top that literally like yeah. Just my dad had that fully across, but his head like shape fade did not on the help sides, this. Flat top. Oh no. Yeah, he has a very square head, and I don't think that has anything to do with his birth defect but it just that's his head I man. Saw, <laughs> yeah i think it was mainly the haircut but i saw his mug shot and i was like whoa okay square head so right, my guy um so the only subject that he excelled at in school was gym and he found this as a Ironic. physical yeah especially yeah with his birth yeah. defect with his legs very weird huh so he found that uh, this was a physical outlet for his rage against his bullies, and he used this newfound physicality to become a bully to those who had once picked on him, and eventually his rage extended to anyone he happened to dislike. Oh, wow. Um, That's not yeah. good. That's so, not healthy. He soon went from being one of the most well-behaved teenagers in the community to one of the most troubled, and his high school friend, Bob Von, Bo- Bob Von Bush... Uh, would later Bob recall Bob. <laughs> Bob Von Bush. Um, uh, he would later recall, quote, uh, he could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if he liked you. He was a hell of a fun. He was hell of a lot of fun to be around, too. Everything was a joke to him, but he had this other side. He could be mean as hell, even cruel. If he saw some poor guy in the street who was bigger than he was, better looking or better dressed, he'd try to take the poor bastard down to his size, end quote. So he had something of a Napoleon complex. Yeah, a little bit of a complex that was like, oh, you think you're better than me? When nobody was making that accusation to begin with. Oh, the weather's nice today. Oh, so you think you're better than me? I guess, like, yeah, it could come from being bullied a lot. I think that's probably, like, it's almost like, um, like, trying to, like, kill before you get killed in a non-literal sense though he probably took it literally based on the fact that we're talking about him but you know what i mean though that will come up you gotta like go first yeah um so carol ann fugate on the other hand she also lived in lincoln nebraska with her mother and her stepfather and in 1956 at age 13 she formed a relationship with charles starkweather who was at this point a high school dropout five years older than she was working as a truck unloader at a western newspaper union warehouse nothing wrong with any of that except for the whole like five year she was 13 dating a 13 year old like let's let that sink in for a second that's like some lolita shit yeah a little weird um, so she met Starkweather through her sister, Barbara, who was dating uh, Starkweather's friend, Bob Von Bush. Oh, hi, Bob Von Bob. Yeah. So here's where things start getting a little weird. So they've been dating for what? They met in 1956. So on January 21st, 1958, Starkweather went to Fugate's home and Fugate's mother and stepfather, Velda and Marion Bartlett, told Love. him to stay away. Um, Starkweather killed them with his shotgun. <gasps> oh. And then, yeah, and then hit their two-year-old daughter, Betty Jean. No. Yeah, causing blunt force trauma and then stabbed her in the neck. Oh, my God, she's two. Yeah, not a great guy. Um, and, and so then Carol Ann, like any sane well, she wasn't 13 home. year old, broke up. Oh, she wasn't home yet. So, um, oh God. so he oh hid the bodies. God. Yeah, he hid the bodies behind the house. And Starkweather later yeah, claimed they'll never that, be found there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Starkweather later claimed that Carol was there the entire time. But Carol claimed that she came home. He met her with the gun and said that her family was being held hostage and she said that Starkweather told her that if she cooperated with him, her family would be safe. Otherwise, they would be killed. So there's obviously some discrepancies of who's trying to save their own ass here. But right. what it comes down to is that uh, during the next six days, the two lived in the house, watched TV, had sex, eating fast food, and turned away all visitors. They even put a sign on the door that said, everybody is sick with the flu. Oh, no, not the flu. Yeah. So this made Fugate's relatives suspicious. And I actually heard from one source that some friends visited and they didn't see anything out of the ordinary. I only saw that on one source. So I don't know if they were turning everybody away or 
if they Only like people specific if people they thought were cool, like Bob Von Bob. I guess. So Fugate's grandmother called the police and they arrived at the house on January 27th where the bodies were found in one of the outbuildings on the property and God. Starkweather and Fugate then fled driving to Bennett, Nebraska um, to the farmhouse of 70-year-old August M- Meyer who was a family friend and you're not going to like this one. Oh uh, no, no, not the dog. <laughs> Starkweather killed August Meyer with a shotgun blast to the head and then killed his dog. No! Why? He's a weirdo. He's a freak. I he doesn't know. fit in. Leave Betty. no witnesses. He's a weirdo. He's weird. Leave no witnesses. God, but the dog didn't do anything. <sighs> this is a fucking black mirror with the guinea pig. <laughs> like, That's true. That was an episode. Um, crocodile. Oh, I know. These things become ingrained in my memory for me to think about at 3 a.m. when I should be, you know, sleeping. <laughs> uh, so oh. after after that whole thing happened, um, they fleed the area and Starkweather and Fugate drove their car into mud and abandoned the vehicle. And um, that's when Robert Jensen and Carol King, two local teenagers, uh, stopped to give them a ride. Starkweather forced them to drive back to an abandoned storm cellar in Bennett, where he shot Jensen in the back of the head. Um, yeah, he then attempted to rape Carol King, but was unable to do so. Um, I think it was because he couldn't get it up. That's what I had heard from one source. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just doing my research. Um, he became angry with her and then shot her and killed her. Starkweather later admitted shooting Jensen, but claimed that Fugate had shot King. Fugate claimed that she had stayed in the car the entire time. And ultimately, the two fled Bennett in Jensen's car. Uh, Starkweather and Fugate drove to a wealthy section of Lincoln, where they entered the home of industrialist C. Lauer Ward and his wife, Clara. Starkweather killed the first... uh, killed their maid first and then waited for Laura and Clara to return home. Both Clara and the maid Lillian Fennick, Fennelk. Mm, don't ask me. <laughs> I'm just trying to pronounce on the spot. Um, so uh, they yeah, were, exactly. Don't come to me on that. Um, they were both murdered by stabbing and Starkweather snapped the neck of the family dog. Why with the dogs? I hope I this know. guy... I, I He's hope two this dogs guy, in. Oh, no. I hope that's the end. I, like... Oh, you don't understand. Like, one of my most visited websites is doesthedogdie.com because I can't watch movies where the dog dies. I can't watch TV shows where the dog dies. I can't, like, read yeah, books. Yeah, it's real sad. Like, I can't... No, I can't do this. I can't do this. Like, I'm fine yeah. with people, but you bring dogs into it and that's the end. Yeah, that's... It's oh, super God, rough. please tell me this is the last dog. Rough is not a um, funny pun. <laughs> I didn't even think of it. Uh, I don't remember anymore. But These dogs I also are dead. We can't make jokes I about them. I also didn't super remember this one. Oh, but anyway, my God. Um, oh, so, my God. Um, Why? Like, they don't... Just, like... If I, I were a killer, I'd just kill them and then just take the dogs as my own. Like, okay, that's it. Like, come on, you're with me now. We're all in a gang. <laughs> I don't... Something's telling me he uh, is not of that mindset. That's so fucked. I'm so upset. Okay, I need to get... Okay, keep going. All right. So, Starkweather later admitted throwing a knife at Clara. However, he accused Fugate of inflicting multiple stab wounds that were found on her body. When Ward returned home that evening, Starkweather shot and killed him. Starkweather and Fugate filled Ward's black 1956 Packard with stolen jewelry from the house and then fled Nebraska. Um, The murders of the Wards and their maid caused an uproar with Lancaster County, or is it Lancaster? I know it's Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I don't know if it's Lancaster County. I don't know. Nebraska. That's like Houston, Texas and Houston Street in New York. It's That's true. I'm going with Lancaster. Um, okay. So Lancaster County. Um, Let us know with, if we're wrong. <laughs> with all the law, law enforcement agencies in the region thrown into a house by house search for the perpetrators. So this entire county went into uproar. They literally were just searching everybody's house. They were like, we have no clue where these people are. So everyone's a suspect now. Um, the governor... Good. 
Victor Emmanuel Anderson contacted the Nebraska National Guard and the Lincoln Chief of Police and called for a block-by-block search of the entire city. And several sightings of Starkweather and Fugate were reported with charges of incompetence against the uh, Lincoln Police Department for their inability to capture the two. So now the police are super pissed because now they're getting heat because they're like, we can't catch two fucking kids. Um, Dog killers. (laughs) Well, so far, allegedly... Allegedly dog killers. Uh, no, no, definitely dog killers, but allegedly Starkweather is the only one doing this. So She um, didn't stop him. Yeah. Needing a new car because of the high profile of the wards uh Packard was now through the news. Um the couple found traveling salesman Merle Collision. Fantastic name. Oh. Absolutely great name. So they found uh, Merle Collision sleeping in his Buick along the highway outside Douglas, Wyoming. It's a very Merle Collision to do. You know, he shouldn't do that because he could get into a Merle Collision if somebody doesn't see him and drives into him. He could. He has, I believe they talked about this case on, um, what's it called? Last podcast on the left. Why did I even have to think of it? I was going to say, that's like your go-to for anything. I believe one of them said that Merle Collision had a victim's name, which not yeah. victim blaming at all, but that is No, but I know what they're saying. A like in like the, level name. Yes, that's what I was gonna say in like the Agatha Christie type novels. Yeah. So where like the like the name foreshadows their fate, so to speak. Yeah. So Merle Collision doesn't last long in this story. So after he was woken up by Carol and uh well, sorry, uh, Fugate and Starkweather, he was shot. And then Starkweather later accused Fugate of performing um, Coupe de Grasse. That's what my note said. After uh, his shotgun jammed. Um, Starkweather claimed that Fugate was, quote, the most trigger-happy person he had ever met, end quote. Okay. Meanwhile, Fugate, (laughs) Fugate claims that she had never killed anyone. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, so... Little uh, get, me, uh, I could never. I'll get to their trial in a little bit. It's a m- madhouse. Okay. Um, so the salesman, the salesman's car had a parking brake, which was something new to Starkweather. So while attempting to drive away, the car stalled. Um, he tried to restart the engine and a passing motorist stopped to help. Starkweather threatened him with a rifle and an altercation ensued. At that moment, a deputy sheriff arrived on the scene. Fugate ran to him, uh, yelling something to the effect of, quote, it's Starkweather, he's going to kill me, end quote. Okay, very succinct. Yeah. Starkweather tried to evade the police, exceeding speeds of 100 miles per hour. A bullet shattered the windshield, and uh, flying glass cut Starkweather deep enough to cause bleeding. He then stopped and surrendered because he thought he had been shot and was wimping out. Um, so County Sheriff Earl Heflin said, quote, he thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of a bitch he is. End quote. Ooh. <laughs> uh, just something to get yourself back up there after going through the, uh, the like shame of, yeah, they were going through the shame of not being able to catch these two children. Who were literally children, I think. Yeah, uh, they're kids. She's think, like 14, 15 now, I th- right? Yeah, I think she was 14 at this point. And yeah. he's five years like older than 18, her. Like so. 18, 19. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, Carol Ann Fugate admitted to holding a shotgun um, on a young couple, the Jensen and Carol King, um, in the car while they were robbing them of their $4. Okay. And... <laughs> the, yeah so they were they were shot that evening and the girl was found um partially nude and stabbed multiple times mm. in the abdomen after being shot yeah um i i got lost in my that's fine i got nervous that you went away <laughs> no i was like oh great connection lost anyway um so now to get to the trial so the Starkweather case, although seemingly tame in comparison to serial killings that have followed in subsequent years, obviously, was one of the most heavily publicized mass murders in U.S. history, and it drew national attention to both Nebraska and the 
psychological issues surrounding disaffected youth and okay. the community of Lincoln, Nebraska, um, the, and the most of the rest of Nebraska itself lived mm-hmm. in near constant state of hysteria, hysteria and panic for several days. So like I'll get to in a minute, the events inspired some various movies, books, songs, a lot okay. of stuff, but first the trial. So Starkweather and Fugate were tried separately. Starkweather first. He swaggered into court on May 5th, 1958, before Judge Harry Spencer to face a single count of murder for Robert Jensen. The facts were not to be disputed. They knew he had killed him. Um, It it wasn't even about Starkweather's culpability. It was the issue of his mental state at the time. So earlier, Starkweather had pointedly refused to cooperate with attempts to save his life through a plea of insanity. He sneered, quote, uh, nobody remembers a crazy man, end quote. So obviously yeah. that's a fucking crazy thing that's, to say yeah. if you want to live. Um, yeah, that's, that's not ideal. <laughs> yeah. So when his chief counsel, T. Clement uh, Gaushin, I think is how you say it, um, he told the jury that Starkweather's IQ was, quote, only one point or two above an idiot. Um, the defendant's knuckles whitened as he gripped the desk in rage, and Starkweather, it seemed, would rather die in the electric chair than be classified as mentally subnormal. Okay. Which I think in itself is something awesome. to say about his... <laughs> no. It's something to say <laughs> about his mental state. If he's willing to die rather no, than but somebody saying he's stupid. That's a great way to call it, is mentally subnormal. Yeah, that was that was from an article that I had uh, gotten most of the info on this trial on. Um, but once he took the stand, he told the sob story of his upbringing, being born bow-legged with a speech impediment, being constantly bullied by other children. Um, but it didn't take him long to crush any sympathy that he might have gained. Um, his absurd rational rationalization and ingrained callousness couldn't help but be spilling over as he was being questioned. Uh, when asked by the counsel, quote, why did you kill Charlie? He replied, self-defense. And when pressed uh, to answer the question, okay. yeah, uh, quote, do you feel any remorse for the people you killed? He said, I won't answer that. So, I mean, smart. Sure. But this smart, is not the time. Like, don't give them You're on a trial reason. now. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's true. But like, yeah. I, I'm thinking don't give them more. Y- you could lie and say, yeah, I feel super bad. Don't kill me. There, or that but, there was this is relevant people are gonna think that it's off topic but it's not did anybody see that tweet the other day i'm not asking Haley because Haley doesn't go on twitter no and it was this one dude was like on trial and they were like did you kill that man and he was like no and they were like did you know that perjury is punishable by law and he was like yes but not for as many years as murder oh Ooh. like like it was one of those well like played yes i was like who now i know what i'm gonna do if i go on trial for murder <laughs> save the dogs and then yes um so if starkweather wasn't going to help himself others were prepared to do the job for him and dr nathan greens greenbaum one of the psychiatrists to testify on the defendant's behalf told the court that quote charles starkweather is suffering from a severe mental disease or illness uh of such kind as to influence his acts people don't mean anything to him they are no more than a stick or a piece of wood to this boy end quote weird thing to compare people to yep. a stick or a piece of wood yep. but whatever i mean um, i've heard worse yeah, so, so in his final address, um, Starkweather's attorney spread the blame far and wide. He said, quote, this boy is a product of our society. Our society that has spawned this individual is looking for a scapegoat. He then touched on a subject that terrified many Nebraskans, um, the prospect that if found insane, Starkweather might one day be released, saying, quote, even an act of Congress will not take him out of the state hospital, end quote. County attorney Elmer Scheel. Bud. Um, yes, great names in this case. I'm uh, loving these names. This uh, is he, like, this is great fodder for like a movie or a TV series. It is, and we'll get to it. I know we So, um, Elmer Scheel countered uh, by telling the jury, quote, let's get back to earth, get our feet on the ground. Can't you see what a hoax it is to persuade you into grasping at the straw of insanity? Uh, he then urged them to, quote, protect this community, our families, yours and mine, from the defendant, end quote. Uh, 
Starkweather was ultimately sentenced to death and executed by electric chair on June 25th, 1959. Then the trial of Aunt Carol Fugate uh, began four months after Starkweather was condemned and was in most respects a carbon copy of the first with many of the same principles that had led to many of the same witnesses who gave much of the same testimony. Okay. So naturally, the most interest was centered around the defendant's age. At 14 years old, Fugate was the youngest female to ever be tried for first-degree murder in America. Despite not a great this, claim to fame. Yeah, not the thing Just you want to go, go out there into. and say it, yeah. You don't want Guinness Book of World Records to write you down for that one. Nope. <clears throat> so despite this, under Nebraska law, she could still face the electric chair if she was convicted, and right from the moment of her arrest, she protested her innocence of any involvement in the murder, claiming that Starkweather's abuse, um, she was an abused hostage of Starkweather's and nothing more than that. And as her attorney, John MacArthur, put, quote, this girl was introduced to the horrible sequence of events by opening the door and having a gun stuck in her face, end quote. Starkweather then towed the line originally, insisting that Fugate had nothing to do with the crimes, but as she turned against him, so did his attitude harden towards the point where he agreed to turn state's evidence. When mm -hmm. Fugate fixed him with her most withering glare in court, he told the court the day that he killed her family. Oh. Yeah. So here's the conversation Shit. that went down. Um, That's... Attorney... Oh. Uh, who is this one? Oh, County Attorney Elmer Scheel. So he said, um, what did you do after this happened? Starkweather said, I cleaned up. Um, when you were cleaning up, what was Carol Fugate doing? Watching TV. So desperate to rattle the witnesses, MacArthur read out one of Starkweather's early statements saying that he maintained that Fugate was his hostage. And then he asked Starkweather, do you recall that? Starkweather then said, um, that's what I said, but it ain't true. The whole statement is a, bun is a bunch of hogwash. Oh, which, love that word. When was the last time you heard that word? I mean, it depends It depends on who's like, I happen to love that word. I've never but heard like, it in like earnest. I've only ever heard people yeah, no, throw it I around. Use it, yeah, I use it comedically. Yes. If at all. So um, MacArthur also awesome reminded... Word. Yes, awesome word. Bring um, it back. MacArthur also reminded the witness of his much-quoted remark made earlier that if he, quote, fried in the electric chair, then Fugate should be sitting on his lap. <gasps> oh. Um, yeah, so uh, he was asked if he still felt that way, and Starkweather said, no, I don't. Now I don't care if she lives or dies. Oh, wrong yeah. direction. Uh, so... Uh, there were others besides Starkweather who linked Fugate to the killings. Most damning of all was Deputy Sheriff William Romer uh, with his claim that Fugate told him that she had actually seen her family being murdered, which is uh, huge Yikes. when she originally claimed that she was never home. And then she claimed that Starkweather had told her that they were being held hostage. True. So that would have turned everything. Right. So, in closing arguments, it was noticeable that Scheel singu singularly avoided asking for the death penalty, but he did say, quote, Even 14-year-old girls must recognize that they cannot go on an eight-day murder spree. The time has to come when you face the consequences right. of your actions. End quote. So, the day came on November 21st when Fugate was convicted and Judge Spencer sentenced her to life imprisonment in the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women in York, Nebraska. And she was considered to be a model prisoner and was paroled in 1976 after serving 17 years. She lived for a time in Lansing, Michigan after being paroled. And following her release, Fugate worked as a janitorial assistant and a medical technician and has obviously since retired. In 2007, she married Friedrich Clare, uh, who worked as a weather observer for the National Weather Service. And I seen that their most recent city of residence was Stryker, Ohio. But then I saw that she also now lives in Hillsdale, Michigan. Hmm. And uh, her stepson states that she has suffered from a series of strokes um, in her late 60s. Wow. And actually... On August 5th, 2013, she was seriously injured in a single vehicle accident in Takasha, Michigan. 
Um, okay. Her her husband, who was driving their SUV when it went off the road and overturned, died at the scene of the accident. Uh, I I, I almost felt bad. Yeah. Um, but then I remembered that she killed dogs, so. That's true. She watched somebody woof, kill woof, dogs. motherfucker. So now she was complicit. <laughs> now to get into the extensive uh, references in pop culture. Really? It's, yeah, it's like insane how much this case was talked about. Huh. So the first movie, um, 1963, The Sadist, and it actually has a 100% Rotten Tomatoes score, which. Wow crazy um also for a movie that's been around for that long yeah since 63 it has an audience score of 67 but a google review score of 87 okay still 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 pretty good good. still Still good it's like 50 years later more than that uh some of the actors in it are richard alden arch hall jr and helen hovey and i think it's probably one of the highest rated uh besides the next one that i'll talk about it's the highest rated um movie about this case so yeah i would check it out yeah um the next one is from 1973 badlands which is probably the one people know most um besides one i'll talk about in a little while um it got a rotten tomato score of 98 percent audience still score amazing of, yeah audience score of 91 percent oh, wow. and a google score of 87 and the critics consensus was terrence malick's debut is a masterful slice of american cinema rife with visual poetry and measuring performances that would characterize his work Ooh. so yeah so mainly that's uh, an excellent like that's so like oh they used all their sat words that was yes del- that was that was like word porn to me. That was a really nice <laughs> review. Well, it stars uh, Martin Sheen, Sissy Spacek, love, love. and Warren Oates. And who? And I think Warren Oates. Oh, I thought you said and more notes, and I and I got real <laughs> no. nervous that you like copied and pasted and just read that, and I was like, uh, Elliot. No. <laughs> um, Cut that out. Yes, I think Badlands is probably one of the the best known. Um, this next one, California, spelled with a K, Ooh. is from 1993, and I think it's like loosely based on the events. I don't know if they actually use the actual names. I haven't seen this one. Okay. Um, the Rotten Tomato score is 64%, same as the audience score, and the Google score of 84%. But it has Brad Pitt in it, and Juliette Lewis, and David Duchovny. Oh, wow. Yeah, star-studded. Star-studded indeed. Goddamn. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. But this next one I definitely have seen, Natural Born Killers from 1994. But very surprising. What do you think the Rotten Tomato score is for this one? Probably low because I like it. It's 47%. That's bull. I thought it was pretty good. They're wrong. You're entitled to your wrong opinion. It's got Juliette Lewis. How could it be bad? Yeah, so, but here's the other thing. The one California spelled with a K from 1993 also also had Juliette Lewis. Yes. Very weird. She's very uh, ingrained in this case. Um, I mean, she knows the character inside and out. So, like, why not have her play her? Uh, The Google score for this one was 86%, so it was a little more audience loved. Um, And Rotten Tomatoes audience score was 81%. I don't know if I said that. Um, but some of the actors, like we said, Juliette Lewis is in it. Woody Harrelson. I love him. I Robert love him Downey so much. Jr. Oh, I haven't seen it in a while because yeah. I didn't realize he was in this. Yep. And then I, uh, I Tommy Lee Jones. I haven't seen this movie in a while. Yep. Yeah, it's a good movie. I think uh, Natural Born Killers and Badlands are probably the two that are best known yeah. um, about this case. And then there's huh. one from 2004 that is called Starkweather. And it wasn't on um, Rotten Tomatoes. It only has like an audience score of thirty three percent, and it has that's, Brent that's Taylor, low. yeah, uh, Jerry Kroll, and Shannon Lucio. Nope, never nope. seen it. Don't know any of those names. Um, there was also a made-for-TV movie called Murder in the Heartland, which was from 1993, and it's a biographical depiction of Fugate and Starkweather, starring. Feruza Balk, I think is how you say Oh, I love her. Yeah, Feruza Balk. Is that how you say her name? Yeah, she's the girl from um, The Craft. Oh, okay. I know that. Yeah, the one with the eyes. Yes. 
Um, love, and love her. Tim Roth is also in one of the starring roles. And that has an audience score of 69%. And then... I feel like I know this one now just because I did like a deep dive on her once just because I was curious because she went from doing like everything to nothing. Yeah. That's... Huh. Yeah. That's so Um, interesting. There's still more. Uh, There's called Stark Raving Mad from 1983 and it's a film starring Russell Fast and Marcy Severinsen. And it provides a fictionalized account of the Starkweather Fugate murder spree. In 1996, there's a Peter Jackson film called The Frighteners, which features a central plot elements with characters almost identical to Starkweather and Fugate. Hmm. Um, there's the fourth episode of Dangerous Liaisons uh, of season three from the ID series Deadly Women, who I think we said in episode like eight or something, wherever we talked about Sylvia Likens. Yeah. Um, Gertrude Banaszewski was featured on an episode of the show, too. Um, but the original episode of this aired on September 2nd, 2010, and that was also about the Starkweather Fugate murders. Um, the first episode, um, entitled Teenage Wasteland of season four of the ID series A Crime to Remember, um, originally aired December 6, 2016, also portrays the murders and the trial. And the 13th Step, the um, episode of Criminal Minds, premiered on January 11th, 2011. It depicts the newlyweds on a North Dakota, Montana killing spree similar to the Starkweather Fugate case. Okay. So it was in a, featured in a lot of TV shows, tons of movies made about it. Um, now Damn. there are some, yeah, there's some books in 1974. Um, Carol is an unauthorized bi- biography of Carol Ann Fugate written by Nanette Beaver. And when I say Carol Ann Fugate's name, her first name is spelled C-A-R-I-L. Oh, like not Carol. That's, like, yeah, O-L. that's like very specific. Yeah. Um, so Liza huh. Ward, who was the granddaughter of victims C. Lauer and Clara Ward, wrote a 2004 novel, Outside Valentine, and it was based on the Fugate Starkweather murder spree. I always like when the book is written by someone who is like, yeah, directly related, related to the case because they yeah, have so much more insight. Agreed. Um, <clears throat> There's a 1997 novel entitled Not Coming Home to You by Lawrence Block, um, which fictionally parallels the crimes. The book Pro Bono, The 18-Year Defense of Caroline Fugate by Jeff MacArthur follows Carol Fugate's defense team through the trials and appeals process. So I like books like that, too, that kind of have more information on the the backside of the case. Mm-hmm. Not right. like just describing like the yeah. murder spree just tra- but then like, what happens after yeah there was a book um that i really enjoyed um defending a monster by the lawyer who defended um john wayne gacy oh, that was really really that interesting sounds interesting yeah it's very good um except at the very beginning he compares himself to john adams which is a little weird mm, like he's someone, trying to be like someone got tra- a little too he was trying to be like too big. uh he was trying to be like, yeah, I defended John Wayne Gacy, who's a huge piece of shit, but you shouldn't hate me. Still hate him, but don't hate me. It was yeah, okay. a little bit of that. Uh, uh, last, last that I recalled, everybody's loving Sam Adams because of the beer. So, yeah. just saying. <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, I hate that joke. Somebody, somebody kill me, please. <laughs> uh, that wasn't more, a good joke. One more book is actually my favorite. In 2011, okay. um, an art photographer, Christian Patterson, released Redhead Peckerwood, which is a collection of photographs taken um, each January from 2005 to 2010 along the 500-mile road that um, Starkweather and Fugate traveled. And the book includes reproductions of documents and photographs from objects that belong to Starkweather and Fugate and their victims, several of which Patterson discovered while making his photographs um, and have never been seen publicly before. Hmm. So it's a little bit different than your typical crime novel, but still yeah, very, but very interesting. Yeah, I was going to say that's interesting, and it's like a really refreshing take. Yeah. I am H.O., uh, and then the last is like some music, which 
we don't get yeah, too, we too don't often. get too much music. Uh, but this is huge. Bruce That's Springsteen's delightful. yeah, <gasps> Bruce Springsteen, nineteen eighty two song Nebraska We're is the, the first person narrative. Yeah, but I think pe- I think a lot of people know the case based up specifically on this song because it is the first person narrative um based on the starkweather fugate case also badlands um is full of themes regarding uh alienation and resentment by the protagonist so uh obviously bruce springsteen true crime fan uh, clearly bruce springsteen sponsor us yeah right who the hell Please? knew new jersey that's native. awesome that's awesome yeah um then there's the song badlands by church of misery on their album houses of the unholy and it centers on the murders and is told from the first person perspective i want to say church of misery has come up before i want to say they wrote songs about uh dahmer i think Mm. i'm just trying to remember off the top of my head i'd have to go back and look at the um notes yeah i'd have to go back and look at the notes to be sure but i believe i've heard that um that artist before and i don't think it was from elliot's itunes (laughs) um which is very eclectic in and of itself well it's a lot of very loud screaming things it's a lot of loud Uh, and then there's a, another song. I want to say this person's name right. It's N- Nicole Dolinganger, I think. And uh, um, I don't know. There's a 2012 song, Nebraska, from her album, Flowers of Flesh and Blood. And it's inspired by Caroline Fugate and Charles Starkweather. So hmm. even more than one musical reference. And I think a lot of people are drawn That's to awesome. this case because it's like a killer couple. And yeah. it's kind of like a. Like it's a, right up there with Bonnie and Clyde in terms of fascination of it. I was just gonna say, like, it's, it. very, yeah. it's a very Bonnie and Clyde. Like, it's super horrible, but also like the tattest bit romantic. Yeah, like if you're fucked. Yeah, if you want to romanticize it in that sort of way. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think this was a super interesting case, and also, um. Not technically a serial killing, but a mass murder spree. Yeah. Uh, we will go into an episode that talks about the differences, the differences between yeah. mass murder, uh, serial killing, and like a one-off killing and stuff like that. What is like the psychological differences, all of that stuff. But for right now, this is classified as um, mass murder as far as all of the articles that I've read on it. That's cool, though. But if anyone wants to correct me, I'm sure you will. Yeah. No, they will. Because <laughs> yeah. once you're done here, we've got a correction section. So Oh, we do. We Wait, have a short uh, before, one. Before we get to the correction section, I also just wanted to mention that tomorrow is our one year anniversary. Oh, baby. I know. A year ago, did you think we'd be here? I mean, I, I don't really think too far past lunch, so. <laughs> I know, but it was crazy. The first... I think it was like we. Marathoned. I didn't think I'd be. I didn't think we would physically be in the locations we are currently no, in. No, that, that's pretty yes. nuts. But <laughs> when we when we first started recording, like we did like a lot of we. I think we did. We banged out eleven episodes in one twenty four hour period, and yeah, I think we had like ten eventful. ten episodes research before we even recorded. Yep, and then two episodes, I think. And then we would eat dinner at three a.m., go to sleep, wake up at like ten, and do it all over. Yeah, oh, we were like that was Easter really weekend. Prepped yeah and we were film we were recording in like my basement we, we were, were recording together. in your basement we were, <laughs> we were, we were actually physically together. together we were able to touch each other oh, oh it was lovely it was great those were the days anyway we'll be together again soon we'll but be, i just wanted to we'll be together soon there. yes it's our one year together in paris and we're oh, very happy excited. anniversary baby love it love you muffin clink that was oh, me clinking a champagne that was glass our champagne my, my my your champagne my martinelli's there if it we wasn't go. if it wasn't like or my powerade i'm currently drinking powerade can i <laughs> if it wasn't super late here i would be i would pop, pop some champagne because i have some but i will do that on the actual anniversary because spoiler alert we're recording early yeah but you should know that by now i mean yeah come on Anyway, get with the uh, program. Then again, our, we've got these noodles dinners. 
What's our correction um, section? I don't right. even remember it's, what we're correcting. It's soup's cute. It's soup's quick. Um, so yeah. So first of all, the lake that Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard crossed is pronounced as Lake. Oh fuck! I can't do it again. Hang on. Give me a minute. <laughs> oh, gonna... I have one. Uh, we got an email. No, saying... no. I'm gonna say that too. I'm gonna say that too. Okay. I've got that too. I was trying to give you time. No, I've got that. That's the second thing. We literally have two things that need to be like corrected in this. Also, we're fully not offended about corrections. Like, please give us your. Let us know we are wrong so that we can get it fixed. Like, literally, don't get mad. Get glad. No. Um. Like, tell us. I pronounce shit wrong across the board all the time in my even in my regular life. So. All the time. All right. All right. I got it. I got it. I got it. But go, go. not to cut off your thought. So the lake that Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose cross in order to get to Slidell, which I was not told it was wrong, so I'm going to keep calling it Slidell, is pronounced Ponchatrain. Ponchatrain. I don't, I think I don't I've know. I've heard of that before. What did you I don't call know it? Ha- I don't know, but it's spelled P-O-N-C-H-E-T-R-A-I-N, so not good. Probably didn't pronounce it good. Um, but don't know how I pronounced it. I don't remember, but it was wrong enough that one of our listeners page was not just pointing it out. She was pointing out that she was entertained by it, which I was like, Ooh, then it was bad. Um, so you're welcome (laughs) page. Yes. Lajala. And I'm sorry for butchering that. Um, and Lajala and everything else. And then next (laughs) we have another butchering. Um, it's the cliffs of Moor, not Mahar. Um, and they are in uh Scotland, not Ireland. I just, I remember, I got this email while I was at lunch. Well, we got the email. Yeah, you we just got read it first. Yeah, yes. we have our joint email. From our uh, listener, Paula. Yes, thank you, Paula, very much. But I got the email while I was at lunch, and I read it, and I had to be like, wait, what? <laughs> we haven't done a case in Ireland yet. Like, why, Haley, why am I got this? very confused. I got so and confused, she, and I was like, oh my god, we were talking about our name pronunciation. It was a that quick aside. Is, it was a quick aside, but apparently that... is fucking hilarious. I loved yes. it. So, apparently all those people who have made that joke to me in the past and in the recent present um, are also wrong, in fact. Okay, right? And therefore, I mean... Like, we're all wrong here, but not Paula. And I should have looked yeah. into it further before making that quick aside, I guess. But, um, yeah. So I'm very sorry to Scotland and to the Moors, for whom the cliffs are actually named, for taking possession of your cliffs as a Mahar, and a lowly Ireland. Mahar. And just sorry to everyone. And I'm, yeah, and I'm, again, really sorry for Lake Pontchartrain. Like, bad enough that somebody's got to, like, be like, LOL. I'm like, oh, that's not good. But that's our very quick, very brief correction section. I love it. Love Um, you. So for any of our new, yes, happy anniversary. Any of our new listeners that uh, don't know yet. We have so much more information on all of our cases. So much. Yes. If you want to head over to our website, which is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. That is it. And we have information on this episode and all of our past ones. So if you want any more information on anything we've talked about on any of our episodes, it's all up there. Um, You can also interact with us there on our Twitter. Caitlin will answer you because, like I said, I don't have Twitter. Um, oh god, I did it wrong again. What? The cliffs the cliffs of Moore are in Scotland, not or in are not no, they're in, in Scotland. Ireland. They're in Ireland. Did I I thought I said they were in Scotland. No, we said that. Oh, never you mind. Said, I take you it said back. sorry to Scotland and then I said sorry to Ireland. We're just apologizing to everybody. It's fine. All right, I thought I did it again. I'm sorry. Anyway, Carry let on. Let me go it, with the plugs. Yeah, 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 I got you. I got you. I got you. My bad. I love you. Sorry. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Um our Twitter is at @crimeculturepod. That's correct, right? Um, our email is crimeculturepod at gmail.com. You can email us anything you want to correct, anything you want to love us for, anything uh, you want to say to us. Uh, yes, any it's case suggestions? Pod. Yeah, any case yeah, suggestions? Yeah, we've gotten quite a few case suggestions. Yeah, we've gotten some case suggestions and also um, listener stories that have connections to some cases. Yeah, which we're going to be talking about. If you got some. Yeah, if you are connected to any of these cases that we have talked about, any of the past ones, I think we're up to like yeah. episode 57 now. 
So if you are connected to any case, we would love to hear about it. And if you want us to say it on the podcast, you can we definitely will. put that in an email. We will definitely be doing that in If we a get mini enough, episode. we'll put it in a whole ass episode. Like, we'll just put an yeah. episode together and be like, all right, these are your stories. Dun, dun. We have a couple of uh, connections right now, which are really, really fun. We can't wait yep. to talk about. Yes. Um, also, go to our Instagram. Yeah. Crime Culture. Hit us on the gram. Crime Culture Podcast on Instagram. I think it is. Yeah. But all of the links are on our website. We don't know our social media, guys. It's fine. It's been a year, but you know what? That's that's that. Some of the names were taken. It's Crime Culture Podcast. Okay, Some of the names were taken. Some of the names are too long. Some of the names are too short. And it was just like, okay, whatever. So some of them are Crime Culture Pod. Some of them are Crime Culture Podcast. But all of the links are on the website. Oh, yes. They're all on the website. And we don't believe in uniformity on this podcast. So It's fine. It, it's it's um, fine. So, yeah. Hit us up and let us know what you think. Because I like having new listeners. Oh, also, <laughs> spoiler, uh, we have a Patreon. We do! That's I thought you said spoiler alert for a second. I was like, no, that's not a spoiler. <laughs> uh, I think we forgot to talk about it last episode. Oh. But we do. It is on uh, linked on the website. There's like a little icon that looks like the patreon button so you just click that and you'll go to our patreon and there's levels for any budget yeah so we got a dollar we got like many dollars like yeah. we got we got all the if dollars if you want to support the podcast but if you want to support the podcast for zero dollars you can go to our itunes and rate review and subscribe yes please do let us know share yeah. Share, yes. share your love, share your feelings. Also share the podcast if you know anyone also, that is Also interested. share the podcast, yeah. Yep. Anyway, too many plugs at the end. Too many plugs. We gotta, we gotta tighten this shit up. Haven't heard that one before. <laughs> you know, really? You're gonna do this on our anniversary? Oh, God. Let us go now. <laughs> uh, All right, we're gonna thanks. go. Thank we're you gonna for fight listening. Off, off the microphone. Yes, thank uh, you. We love you. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. We will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.